Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebly and Toff. JG, do you know why this episode is special to me? Why is this episode special to you, Linz? Because this is, in all of our 85 episodes, the only one that I have recorded from my childhood bedroom in the house in which I grew up. I, I thought you did one very early on from uh, from your childhood bedroom well i guess i stand corrected i did one from a different bedroom how many bedrooms did you have i i was only aware of one it was a five bedroom house so i i think i had three different bedrooms in the times that i lived in this oh, house. okay not all at once well no that would have been rude and displaced my siblings yeah <laughs> i also i also note that my superman lunchbox is not where i remember leaving it and i intend to have a i intend to have a, a stern discussion with somebody about that i don't even know where i go to complain about that now yeah I know which room yeah they keep moving them around on you they keep moving them around i don't know what's in each closet i'm befuddled i tell you befuddled <laughs> <laughs> well this is weird because you're you're in tucson doing the show and i am in bangor maine today and we have done shows in various locations but i think that this is the first time this particular configuration has come up i would agree and and it, it actually coincidentally not half an hour ago i drove by the building at 4400 broadway where your radio station was where uh, we first worked together in mornings and thought hey we got something special here that was a lot of fun we we had a lot of yeah. fun doing that and uh but that was a man that was a long time ago what's in that building now do you know i i didn't even care <laughs> i just i thought i thought there it is 4400 i remember meeting you in the mornings it was like 4 30 in the morning pitch black we're seemingly the only two people awake in the entire city of tucson getting ready to uh, to start a, f a four-hour show and uh, some of my very best broadcasting memories are are in that studio working with you that was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun wasn't it um well you know the getting up part at uh that part sucked that sucked but yeah i, I remember saying to you 
But at some point, it gets easy, right? And you you laughed and said, you know, Linz, it never gets easy. You just get used to it. It's true. I'm so glad we don't have to get up early to do this podcast. And if we screw something up, we can go back and redo it. Which, by the way, happens a lot, you guys. Yeah. Um, I got a story. Would you like me to, uh, to jump right in? I was praying you were going to jump right in and hit us all with a story. In the bustling streets of Chicago, there's a, a particular story that's become a bit of an urban legend, although it only happened a few years ago. Hot dog vendors, that's a big thing. It's a big thing in New York. It's a big thing in the Windy City. You always see hot dog vendors, little hot dog carts. I've always been dubious about those if they're safe to eat, so I've never actually had one. I shy away from it, too. I don't know how long that hot dog water's been there. If it's even water. And where did that water come from, <laughs> if it is water? What was it before before it was in the pot covering that thing you want to sell me for $5? The problem with being a hot dog vendor is you're a prime target for robbery. Makes sense. It's a known fact that these uh, street-side vendors almost always deal in cash, and it makes it a tempting mark for those of course. with uh, nefarious intentions. Sure. Let me introduce you to Tarion Pouncey. Tarion Pouncey, a name that would soon become synonymous with hot dog vendor heists. Hello, Tarion. Among the many frequent robbers, Pouncey stood out as a repeat offender. He had a knack for sizing up his victims and choosing just the right moment to strike. It's almost like he had, I don't know, some sort of... Uh, premonition or he was able to size up his targets pretty well yeah, i get it now this story takes place on the morning of halloween in 2017 okay and the stage was set for a very bizarre turn of events pouncey had a uh, 38 caliber pistol okay that's a pretty big gun, right? I mean, that's that is a, that's a pretty big gun. Yeah, is that is that a dirty hairy kind of kind of gun, or I believe that was a forty four magnum. That was a forty four magnum. Thirty eight. Okay, so this not quite as big as dirty Harry's gun, but at the same time can do some damage up close. A thirty eight will will uh, that that'll kill a man. Yeah, I'll it'll tear a person apart. At least give him a bad day. Yeah. So Pouncey has his thirty eight caliber pistol. And um, enough bravado to rival a Hollywood heist movie's protagonist. He approaches the Southside hot dog vendor, okay. a 39-year-old man, just there trying to make a living. Selling dogs. Pouncey sees his target. He sees him as vulnerable, and he's he's got it all figured out. He's done this before. But you know what they say about the best laid plans? <laughs> At the moment that he decides to rob this hot dog vendor, mm -hmm. the hot dog vendor was in the middle of a very important task, Ooh. and that's changing out a bucket of scalding hot grease. <laughs> Timing is everything, isn't it? I'm no criminal mastermind myself, Linz, but even I can see that a bucket of molten hot liquid doesn't mix well with armed robbery. No, it does not. So Pouncey, with, uh, you know, all of his swagger, he uh, waltzes up to the vendor from behind while the vendor's holding this pot of scalding hot grease. Right. And puts a gun to the poor vendor's head. Oh, boy. And demands, in the most menacing tone he could muster, the holy trinity of modern life, 
your cell phone, your wallet, and every dollar in the cash box. In the till. But our story takes an unexpected and frankly hilariously messy turn. Good. As the hot dog vendor's trembling hands are fumbling for his wallet, the inevitable happened. He was un- understandably shaken and nervous, and he drops the bucket of hot, scalding oil, creating a sizzling river of liquid magma. Mm. At the same time when that happens, a brisk breeze comes along and blows all the money out of his till like confetti, and it's just raining down on the sidewalk and blowing down the street. Leaving our criminal with a tough decision, right? Exactly. I could only imagine the chaos that ensued. Pouncey, not one to be deterred by the laws of physics, found himself in a precarious position, though. With his uh, ill-gotten loot scattered like breadcrumbs at a picnic, uh, he faced Mm -hmm. a dilemma. Should he make a hasty retreat, abandoning his dreams of criminal empire, or should he attempt to salvage his loot and his dignity? Fortunately, he wasn't scalded by the oil. I mean, fortunately for him. But in a twist of fate that even Shakespeare could find a bit dramatic, Pouncey decided to try to collect the money as quickly as he could and get out of there. You need to picture this scene. There's hot scalding oil on the sidewalk. Money is fluttering all over the place. He's standing there with a gun in his hand, And he decides, rather than run, he is going to gather up the flying bills. Hmm. So in order to do so, in order to retrieve the bills that were flying all over the place, he had to free up his hands. So he stuck his gun in his waistband and quickly bent over to scoop up the bills. (laughs) Now... Most firearms instructors and many ballistics experts will tell you that bending over with a gun in your pants can be a tricky maneuver. Yes. And uh, what our hero discovered was if it's done incorrectly, the gun can discharge and shoot you right in the master John Goodfellow. (laughs) Yep. He shot himself in the penis with a 38. Okay. Took a slug right in the old rumple foreskin. Now, <laughs> from, from only about two inches away, I'm guessing, if the gun is in his waistband. Yeah. At least it was nice and close to that part of the body. <laughs> now, I, this might surprise you, Linz, but I am not a doctor. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's not on anyone's list of recommended activities for a fun Halloween morning. No, I'm guessing that that is an awkward trip to the ER at best and a tough explanation to the cops. Yeah, any medical expert will tell you that's a pain no man should ever experience voluntarily. Right. So pain searing through him, he could no longer run his grand escape plan. uh, That was foiled. This was turned into a spectacular and unintentional groin injury extravaganza. (laughs) He staggered, clutching his self-inflicted wound, likely questioning all of his life choices up to that point. I would hope so. And one of the employees, the 39-year-old man, tackles him. And despite the uh, struggle right there on the street, which was captured by surveillance cameras, Mm -hmm. Pouncey's escape attempt ended with him collapsing on a nearby bench. And uh, then he he managed to stand up and stagger over and collapse on the porch of a nearby house. 
Well, good. I'm glad he was able to get a little bit more comfortable. Yes. The authorities, I'm sure stifling their laughter, swiftly apprehended Pouncey and transported him to Christ Hospital in Oaklawn, where he did recover from his self-inflicted injury. Uh, he did miss his bond hearing at the Leighton Criminal Courthouse, where he faced two counts of armed robbery. Judge Stephanie Miller had no mercy. She uh, ordered him to be held without bond. Now, I know what you're, you're probably wondering right now. You're probably asking about Ponzi's post-groin shooting career prospects. Well, there, there weren't many. Things aren't looking great, uh, but hmm. we're not quite done with the story. In the end, Bouncy's ill-conceived heist left him not only in police custody, but with a uh, memorable story of his own, one that surely will be passed down as a cautionary tale of criminal misfortune. Uh, Pouncey may not have succeeded in his robbery, but he unwittingly earned himself a place in the annals of Chicago's <laughs> strangest criminal capers. You know what would have been great is if all this, while this was all going down, the uh, Oscar Mayer Wienermobile would have been uh, <laughs> driving by. Oh, that would have been priceless. Wieners everywhere. Uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I just hope that when he shot his wiener off, the guy had the lid on the pot. Sure. Yeah. You wouldn't want to mix up. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, you, you just wouldn't want to mix up anything. No, you don't want any hot dog blowback. Does your hot dog have a bullet in it? Because mine does. <laughs> <laughs> I got my information from the New York Post, the Chicago Sun-Times, and uh, the Chicago Trib. It's been called the most significant evolution in home cleaning ever. Introducing Huvera, a vacuum so advanced, Science Weekly says it's one of the greatest pieces of technology in the past 50 years. Most vacuums just pull dirt from rugs, carpets, and floors, even carelessly beating your floor surface into submission. But Huvera is different. Over time, Huvera gets to know what your floor coverings fear and like the most. Like a hostage negotiator, it works to pull more dirt from the floor, using psychology, gentle urging to communicate, and a little steam, turning dirty into a clean, never thought possible. Until now, go to vacuumingnolongersucks.com. Huvera, a whole new level of clean. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Our email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. A listener named Michelle sends us uh, this email, JG. She says, this is a quick one for you guys. Episode number 74 had a discussion about accidental shoplifting. Here's a cautionary tale. Many years ago, on a cold winter day in Minnesota, my mom and I took refuge in our local mall. We were casually browsing Victoria's Secret when we noticed a lone gentleman also in the store. 
For some reason, we both found it odd to see a man alone in a lingerie store, so we kept our eyes on him, and boy, I'm glad we did. (laughs) The harmless gentleman was looking at an underwear display and leaned in for a closer look. When he erected himself, her words, a pair of panties stuck to the Velcro of his winter jacket. Of course, the poor guy had no clue that these delicates were (laughs) clinging to him like Jack clinging to Rose at the end of Titanic. So the man continued to shop around the store. Cut back to my mom and me. The two of us make eye contact and without a word being spoken, confirmed we both saw it happen. I was immediately hit with secondhand embarrassment because the guy was clueless. He was clearly trying to buy something nice for someone he cared about. But now he's a creepy weirdo with hot pink underwear strapped to his midsection. (laughs) Kind of like a pro lingerie superhero who wears a panty emblem proudly on his chest. Now, what makes this story so memorable is the next sight I see. I turn to my mother for parental guidance on what to do in this literal sticky situation. Unfortunately, I did not find that upstanding citizen next to me. Instead, I found my mom doubled over, hands on her knees, laughing her ass off. She was trying to laugh silently, which caused her to cry, and her face turned beet red, (laughs) almost the same color as the underwear attached to the man. Once my mom finally composed herself, she let a clerk know about the travel underwear the clerk stoically walked up to the man yoiked the underwear off him and walked away he was not in trouble but was obviously embarrassed there are two morals to this story gentlemen one accidental shoplifting is possible so please check your velcro before leaving and two parents are there to teach us right wrong and that it's okay to laugh your ass off before doing the right thing <laughs> keep up the good work guys you know i love you michelle oh thanks michelle thank you michelle i can only imagine what that must have uh, what that must have been like i have to say that uh, the few times that i have been in a store like victoria's secret i've i've been with my wife and i still feel uncomfortable um yeah. i will avert my eyes i don't want to be caught staring at a uh, mannequin oh i i actually like staring at the mannequins jg <laughs> <laughs> well i know what i'm getting you for your birthday yeah you are <laughs> this is why i've been asked to leave many a uh, victoria's secret because those mannequins they're creepy but they well less said the better i suppose i suppose at this point yeah lifeguard at shallow podcast.com we would love to hear your stories your emails and any uh anything you wish to share we appreciate it hello everyone stakuyi here and i'm gabby and we are the hosts of history of everything a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is well i mean it's about everything Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class part of the Area of Media Network. 
available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to Zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. You're in the shallow end with Schnappley and Toth. It's interesting, JG, that your story involved um, meat because <laughs> my story involves meat. In fact, I was going to say uh, that I need to issue a warning to our listeners on this one, which is pretty basic. And it goes like this. Don't freaking do what this guy did. <laughs> it's stupid. And if you try it and it goes horribly wrong, you have no excuse other than you're a total idiot. And we don't need you breeding more people like you and polluting the gene pool, which is harsh. <laughs> I know, but come on. <clears throat> I had to get that out of my system. It's a good thing Cat is not listening to this particular story because it's about steak. No. Actually, different ways to cook them. In researching this story, Jethro, I, I came across the fact that there are, the, there, there are five most popular ways to prepare steaks. The first one is grilling, which is pretty common, pretty easy, hard to screw it up, keep an eye on it. You know, you're probably going to do well. The second is a process that I'd never heard of called sous vide cooking, which is complex and you need to buy a special machine to heat water and you put the meat in a bag and it just looks like a pain in the ass. <laughs> Third is sear roasting, which is kind of complex unless you know what you're doing. Fourth is pan frying, which is actually my new favorite way to cook steaks. There's a Gordon Ramsay recipe that is fat, stupid, easy to do. And then the fifth is broiling. That involves your oven and more work. <laughs> but nowhere... Jethro Gilligan-Toth, will you see a suggestion that you cook your steaks in a toaster unless you go to YouTube? And you know what? YouTube has scads of videos on how to cook your steak in a toaster. Wow. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, You'll actually, of course, you can find anything on YouTube, but you'll find... Quite a few people on YouTube who say this is a great idea and a great way to cook your steaks. Now, this happened back in 2021 in New Zealand. We don't know the name of this home chef. So once again, I'm coming up with my own name for the uh, protagonist in my story. This one I'm calling Toaster Guy. Okay. Now, most steak enthusiasts will agree that nothing goes better with steaks than some kind of potatoes. Baked potatoes, of course, are very popular. And here's where where Kat would become interested in the story, because now we're off to veggies and we're, we're off the red meat. Right. Steak fries. Or if you ever watch the movie Midnight Run with uh, Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin, there's a whole scene where Charles Grodin's talking about potatoes, Leonese. You remember that? I do. Those are potatoes boiled and then, yeah, sliced and shallow fried, served with fried onions. And there's a great scene in that film where they're they're slowly walking. I think they walk into frame and you just hear Charles Grodin going on about, do you like the potatoes, Leonese? I like them. You know, they're they're good with steaks, (laughs) your steaks, your chops, potatoes, Leonese. So I think of that film every time I uh, every time I see potatoes, Leonese on a menu. (laughs) So Toaster Guy decided he wanted steak for dinner, and evidently he'd heard of this steak in the toaster thing, so he got himself a steak and dropped that bad boy in the toaster. 
Now, the few videos I watched about this, and I have to say it makes me wonder what kind of videos will start popping up in my YouTube algorithm now that I've actually gone searching for cook, cook steak and a toaster. I can only guess what YouTube is going to start suggesting I watch. Everybody who has a video on these steak and a toaster lessons says the, the secret is high heat. Uh-huh. You want to turn that heat up as high as that toaster will go. Uh-huh. So toaster guy drops his meat, if you will, into the toaster and the, the kitchen starts to smell of cooking steak, which is what he wanted. But now he's smelling that succulent scent and he says to himself, you know, what would go well with this steak would be some fries. But he's already committed to cooking the steaks and he doesn't want to have to make fries, too. But then he remembers that there's a fish and chip store just a few blocks away. So he thinks, makes this unusual decision not only to put his steak in the toaster, JG, but he's going to leave it and just scurry down to the store for the fish and chips, get himself some fries and come back. But we don't know how long toaster guy was gone. But not surprisingly, he had a recipe for trouble smack dab in the middle of his kitchen. And everyone acts surprised. What happens, JG, when you put a big slab of meat and fat in a toaster and leave your house? Any guesses? An awesome display of pyrotechnics. I heard one listener out loud just now saying fire. (laughs) And uh, yeah, somewhere between yours and, and that listener's, a fire breaks out. Everyone acts surprised causing significant damage to the home so the house was not destroyed but it was severely damaged and of course toaster guy comes back and i can just picture him smelling smoke as he's carrying his bag of fries back toward his house and thinking boy that smells good somebody's somebody's cooking something Well, not surprisingly, Toaster Guy files a claim with his insurance company. But what does surprise me is that the insurance company actually paid his claim. They awarded him, can you believe this, $418,000 toward rebuilding his house. Holy crap. That seems like a lot of money to me. Considering that you have said to the fire department, yeah, see, well, I put this steak in a toaster and then I walked away from my house to get fries. I would think most insurance companies would say, you know what, buddy, pound sand. We're not we're not paying you a dime. Yeah, no kidding. You're a freaking idiot. Well, not only does this guy pitch a fit because they're offering only four hundred and eighteen thousand dollars. He says that's not enough. The whole house needs to be rebuilt because of smoke damage. I'm going to need another $200,000 because I'm stupid enough to put steak in a toaster. Please tell me they didn't give it to him. Well, I'm glad you said that, JG, because there's something down there in New Zealand called the IFSO. It stands for Insurance and Financial Services Ombudsman. Now, the IFSO... They're kind of a third party there said it was lucky that they were even able to claim the house insurance. What you and I just said, the fact that this guy got four hundred and eighteen thousand dollars is amazing. Yeah, just shut up and quietly go away and don't put steak in the toaster anymore, jerk. So despite the insurer accepting their claim and offering four hundred and eighteen thousand dollars, that was apparently the maximum amount that could be paid under that couple's insurance policy. But they said the sum was not sufficient 
They need to replace the whole house. They complain. They say we should get an extra $200,000. They say they weren't aware that their policy had changed from replacement cover cost to total sum insured. But the IFSO, these mediators, step in and say, no, Mm. no. The insurance company has paid the maximum entitlement. The complaints also found that the couple had been adequately informed of the change in their insurance policy. There's a woman who works for this organization named Karen Stevens, and she said, not understanding the annual insurance renewal process or the cost to rebuild their home added further avoidable suffering to the stress of the fire. And she actually wrote in the file, quote, I cannot stress highly enough the need to read each renewal letter carefully. Most insurers now offer total sum insurance, meaning your house is insured for a set price. If you don't do your homework and insure your house for too low a sum insured, you could find yourself unable to rebuild your home. Stevens believes that in this case, the fire had been preventable. You think? She actually goes on to conclude by saying, Cooking steak in a toaster is literally a recipe for disaster. To have then left the house and toaster unattended for the sake of fries must be a constant source of regret. Never, never leave cooking unattended, even if you think you'll be just a minute. And please, use your appliances for the purpose for which they were designed. Toasters are for toast. Signed, Karen. Go, Karen. It's amazing. Everybody, including Karen, knows that this guy put a hunk of beef in his toaster and then left. And yet they still said, yeah, here's four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I was just amazed. This story amazed me on several different different (laughs) levels. For one thing, I didn't know that this was a thing, that there are people who think, oh, yeah, I just uh, I just grill my uh, my steak now in my toaster. Where does the grease go? Well, that's exactly it. Right. Drips down into the bottom. Goes into the little crumb tray. That's that's not an adequately sized grease reservoir. And then the uh, the grease, of course, heats up. It's combustible. Mm-hmm. Now you got a fire. Now you got an electrical fire. Now you got grease and electricity. <laughs> I mean, dear God, I just couldn't believe that somebody thought. So that's why I was surprised when I went online and found multiple videos of people saying, hey, here's a great way to cook steak. I thought, no, this is not a great way no. to cook steak. No, you're an idiot. You can't do that. That's why I was so stern at the top of my story, and I apologize if I caused tears to anybody, but damn it. Like Karen said, toasters are for toast. Yeah, and they knew better. I got this story from News Hub of New Zealand and Insurance Business Magazine. Yes, there is such a thing as Insurance Business Magazine. One time, a long time ago, um, I, uh, I was at a hotel and I wanted to eat something and I just had like some leftover things that I had brought with me because um, I had stayed, you know, at a couple hotels in that area and I had like a loaf of bread and a little bit of cheese. And I thought, I'm going to make a grilled cheese sandwich using the iron in the closet. No, you didn't. I did, but I put a towel down first. <laughs> did that work? It did. Yeah. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. What did the towel look like afterward? 
I don't know. I just threw it away. <laughs> That wasn't wasn't your problem, right? No. That was the hotel's problem. That's the hotel's problem. (laughs) I'm just picturing housekeeping coming to your room after you've checked out and thinking, boy, it smells like cheese in here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, um, I've I've heard stories of people. uh, This one friend of mine said that they made a grilled cheese sandwich. They lived in an old apartment. And it had one of those uh, really old steam radiators. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And so they made a cheese sandwich and then wrapped it in tinfoil and stuck it between the slats of the steam radiator and said, never had a better sandwich. Really? Now, kids at home, we don't recommend you do this. No. Same kind of thing as putting steak in a toaster. Not a good idea. Don't do it. Now I'm hungry for hot dogs and steak and a grilled cheese sandwich. Yes, make sure there are no bullets in the hot dog. <laughs> and if you see dollar bills wafting through the air like confetti, yeah. best best to leave them alone. Yeah, yeah. Best not to scoop those up. With a gun in your pants, anyway. With a gun in your pants. <laughs> Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. That's where you can reach out to us. We love hearing from you. We love your stories. We love your emails. Um, we uh, appreciate you taking the time to send them to us. Truly do. We read each and every one. Looking forward to seeing you guys next week. As always, make good choices. Your life. And your toaster might depend on it. And watch out for bullets in your hot dogs. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, gotta go. <laughs>